Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Venue Audrey, how are we doing? Good, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I just love being part of an awesome church, and I think that you're awesome, most of y'all. Um, no, I really do. Welcome to our, our series, Drama Club. I'm going to explain your last week to you today in about 35 minutes, and it's going to be awesome. God is going to put, look, if you were unhealthy, how would you even know? It's just your normal. But this week in Drama Club, we're going to talk about life without the drama. Is it actually possible to have life without drama? Um, have you ever had your, your ribs go out? You've been working, or sometimes it's just nothing. All of a sudden, your ribs go out. I went one time, I was working um, kind of up north a bit. I was working on a job site. I don't know what happened, but my ribs, I, I had about three of my ribs go out. And so when that happens, who, who's had that happen? Or you got a bad back or, or your neck, or there's something like pinching nerves, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a nasty old feeling. And it's funny, when your ribs go out, um, everything is a little bit harder. Like, I mean, oh my goodness, don't, let, don't laugh at a joke. <laughs> Because, I mean, it'll put you on the ground. You know, sleeping is difficult. Breathing becomes difficult. Everything you normally do becomes difficult when your ribs are up. And so one time I was up north, and so I had to go to a chiropractor in this town that we were working in. And I went to the chiropractor, and I said to the chiropractor, okay, they put all these ribs back in place, and it felt okay. I could breathe again. And then the chiropractor says to me, okay, so, like, so don't do anything for the next few days, though. And I'm like, well, well you're talking to a cope. Like, copes do stuff. I'm like, so don't do anything. Like, don't go back to work and work. Because that's, you know, that's a thing that I got to do. Um, you know, like, what else? What else? Don't do anything. Like, don't play soccer tonight. Because I had soccer that night. She, like, definitely do not play soccer tonight. So, um, so what happened was I went back after I got fixed. I went back that night and I played soccer. Because I, I believe in working through things. I believe in working through a little bit of pain, but what happened during soccer is one time I just turned sideways just a little bit and boom, same ribs out in the same spot and everything got more uncomfortable and then I had to go back to the chiropractor and I asked all the, you know, she asked all these weird questions about how am I doing and a funny thing happened actually, they adjusted my neck and I just about passed out when that happened. I got all white and passed out. So Aaron actually called me that day and was like, is everything okay? And I'm like, because I had put my uh, home phone number on the, <laughs> the contact card and they were calling to make sure that I was okay after my visit to the chiropractor. But have you ever, have you ever had that happen in your life? Now, if you live a life of drama, it's like this, this spinal cord that's normal to you, but you've just been living in this pain for far too long. And so everything in your life, all these ribs start getting out of place. Do you want me to, to throw out a few? Because uh, some of y'all, you don't know that you're living in drama club. Like, hey, I signed up for junior high drama club and I never left. Um, some of you don't know that because it's just normal and it's normal for the people around you. So here are some ribs that when they get out of place, everything is harder. Like you lay awake at night thinking and obsessed with what other people think about you. The, the drama of it, there, there's, you can't breathe. You can't really laugh. Everything hurts a little bit more. And when your life has too much drama in it, everything hurts more than it should. So here are some ribs here. Let me see if this makes any sense. If there's, if there's this sense of complication in your life, like I just, my life is so complicated. I just don't think, I can't see my way through anything. I can't find a thread through anything. It's just, but it's like multiple aspects of my life are, are complicated, 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 complicated. See, life in Christ and life the way that God designed you to be was not meant to be complicated. It was meant to be difficult, 
but it was meant to be simple. Now, if your life is too complicated and you have this sense like, I don't know how I'm ever going to sort this relationship out or my career or my kids or my friendships. Like, it's just complicated on top of, if you have a sense of complication in your life, there's too much drama. Everything is attached to a spinal cord called too much drama. If, if the water is always muddy, like you have an issue that goes on and then you have this argument, but after the argument, nothing is actually resolved and the next day you have the same argument. And you can't ever quite put your finger on anything. You, you don't know the issue that people, you don't know why your kids are upset. You don't know why you keep getting the same talking to at work, the same employer reviews. You don't know why you keep dating the same type of people. The water always muddy. The water, it's just always muddy if things tend to get blown up out of proportion. Do we have any people who are kind of dramatic? Sometimes in an argument, man, you're just like projecting your voice to the back of the theater and everybody like, where'd the camera? Because it's just me here and people don't talk like this. It seems kind of... Drama club. If, if small issues seem to get big and take a long time to sort out. Or you've been dealing with the same issues forever. See, the truth is short and sweet and sour. But mostly the truth is short. An issue, the actual issue is not that big of a deal and it's not that long of a sentence, but you just don't know what it is because everything's always muddy and it's complicated and this gets added to that, gets added to that, and now you can't see your way through anything. Um, you trip on the shoes in the entry and within two minutes you go from like, hey, can somebody move these shoes to, I can't live in this family anymore, this is too much. <laughs> you're singing and you're projecting to the back and everything is too hard and life is too hard, but you can't send your kids back. What makes you make that leap? Because that's not a logical leap. <laughs> but drama, not always logical. If you are consumed by what others think about you. Now, you can be quiet and undramatic and quiet and stubborn. We got any quiet and stubborn people in the house? You can just raise your little internal hand there. That's okay. <laughs> we know. We know. But if you're consumed by what other people think about you, you lay awake at night and you're just like, I wonder what they're thinking about me. Did I do the right thing? I wonder what they think about my kids. I wonder what they think. I wonder what they think. You got a problem with drama. God wants to, to set you free from this. If you, I've, all of this has been warming you up to this one. You ready? If you think your current moods are not a choice, like everything else you do, you have signed up to Drama Club and have signed up the people who live with you to it as well. If you think that your moods are somebody else's choice in your life, that they are out of your own control and your own decisions, like, hey, I'm going to go to the grocery store today and pick up milk. Hey, I'm going to be in a bad mood because so-and-so looked at me a little bit funny. If you think that your moods are not a choice that you control, and only you. Now, see, the funny thing is some of us come from, from homes, and when you grow up in homes and you're a victim of something, that's fine. But now we're adults. You're, you, nobody decides your destiny for you and nobody decides your moods but you. So whatever happened to you, you have to figure out a way to deal with this so that this doesn't come in. Then you sign everybody up for the drama that you grew up in. That's the last thing we want for our kids. That's the last thing I want for you. If you think your current moods are not a choice, like getting the milk at the grocery store, we've signed up for Drama Club and we need to unsign up from Drama Club. See, drama makes you the star in a play no one wants to watch. 
I have a little cousin named Jonathan. He's not little anymore. He's in his 20s. But when he was little, I remember my, my um, he was the smallest of all the cousins. And so everybody kind of doted on him a little. He had a drama at his, uh, at his school, and it was all about pigs. He went to a, like a little backcountry school. <laughs> it was all about pigs. The whole drama was about pigs and bacon and ham jokes. And, and he, um, he, uh, we're at a Cope family reunion. This is not normal in a Cope family reunion, but it was my, my, uh, my brother's wife, Jody. It was her first experience with the Copes. And one of the aunts said, Jonathan, why don't you sing us some of the songs from your play? And Jonathan doot, 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 got up there and started singing all these jokes of like, and why did the pig cross the road? And then like, doot, 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 everything is this. And I'm watching this in, in horror thinking like, Jody not going to work out anymore. And I just went over there afterwards. I'm like, welcome to the family. See, it's cute when you're seven, but it's not cute no more. It's cute because you're too young to be embarrassed. See, none of us uh, had any intention when we were kids, even if we grew up in dramatic homes, overly dramatic homes, or melodramatic, I think, is maybe the word that we're looking for today, but none of us had any intention of growing up to be melodramatic adults, and yet here we are. You didn't. You saw your mom freak out about stuff. You saw your dad overreact to things. You said you told yourself when you were a kid, like that's never going to be me. But here we are. So we're missing something along the way that we're going to learn from the life of of King Saul. That if you don't deal with some things in your life, you don't deal with the drama in your life. I'm going to be talking about insecurity today. If you won't deal with it, you'll make everybody. You're signing everybody else to watch your drama, and nobody wants to watch you as the star of a ridiculous drama anymore. Drama gives a microphone to junior high you. And junior high you needs to shut up. <laughs> We're not in junior high anymore, but junior high you doesn't know any better and doesn't know to be embarrassed anymore. And junior high you needs to get the microphone taken away and we need to grow up a little bit. And I'm going to show you some very practical things from the word of God. See, see drama from your, from your family of origin, it, it might be normal. And it might be normal in the circles that you run in or where you work. But like too much drama and all this melodrama drama and like, did you hear this? And did you hear that she said? And, and oh my goodness, as soon as I start hearing this, I'm just like, oh my goodness. See, I grew up in a healthy home. Now, it's no... I'm not a hero for growing up in a healthy home. I think my parents were heroes because the homes that they grew up in, I mean, dad's was a little more stable. Mom's was like, drama. <laughs> Amen. You hear about what my dad said about that? So you see, there was something in my mom that was attracted to my dad because of his stability and the family of origin. I mean, that thing with cousin Jonathan, that was kind of a one-off, like, just forgive us for that. But like, it wasn't normal. Like, the, it, was, it was like everybody sort of had this uh, healthier approach to life. But see, my mom's family, like, you want to talk about like, everything like anger and freakouts. And one of her sister was babysitting another one of her sisters and stuck a needle this long in the back of her head because she got mad. That's not normal. <laughs> but it was normal in her family. My mom was in charge of babysitting, she just said. This is a terrible babysitter. You want to live in a home like that? See, but here's the thing. I think they're heroes because they grew up and decided that their kids weren't going to grow up in that kind of drama. And until you make that decision, like, hey, maybe I am actually unhealthy. Maybe my kids need to grow up. In but you have to deal with it inside of yourself before anything else can happen. And... and you know, I think God looks at us sometimes and he's just like, oh my goodness, you guys, who are you? What cameras are you acting for? But when God sees you as his, as his child and you're all wrapped up in all this crazy drama, 
It would be like when my kids come home, and, and Neela came home the other day, and she was all upset about something, and then she said something to me. It was, she was sitting on my lap, and she said, like, I don't appreciate the way that this happened to be the way that her teacher was, was bugging her about something, and she goes, I don't appreciate the way that he said that. And first of all, I'm like, I don't appreciate. You, you nine. I don't think I've ever said that before. I don't know. See, I grew up in a healthy home, and so we just didn't really talk like that, but her friends talk like that. I don't appreciate it. And, and she's sitting there crying because of this perceived insult to her. And I finally had to help unwind her like the Holy Spirit wants to help unwind your life because it, it wasn't actually an insult. It was just a perceived insult. And I finally said to her, Neela, I said, baby, I said, who bugs you more than anybody else in the world? Dad and grandpa. I'm like, <laughs> it's because we like you. That's what guys do when they like you. They bug you. That's all we got. I had a crush on a girl at school one time, and she made me mad because she was picking on my brother, but I still had a crush on her, and I hit her with my brother's lunch kit because that made sense to me at the time. So, I love you. I want to be with you forever. Wow. Don't pick up my brother. That's just what guys do. I said, your teacher's a guy. You're probably the favorite kid in the class, but he can't tell you that because he's a guy. And we all a little slow. So he picks on you. And she goes, that's why? I'm like, that's why. A little context to the drama. The tears stop. And this is what God wants to do to you right now. He wants to like, let's take the drama down a few notches here so that he can actually deal with the, the insecurity that's behind why you're so dramatic all the time. Look, if you, found, if you knew who you were in Christ, you... There would be no drama in your Why would there be drama in your life? There would be very limited amounts of drama in your life. Why? Because you would just deal with issues. You just get better. You, you would actually deal with an issue, resolve it, and move on with your life and grow a little bit from day to day to day. Yeah. See, um, drama is, is unhealthy, and only unhealthy people like it. Which means if you're a boss and all the healthy people eventually leave your company is because it's unhealthy because sooner or later healthy people are like all y'all are nuts you're crazy this is not normal it's just normal here if all your friends if you only got unhealthy friends and only unhealthy psychopaths want to date you sweetheart it's because you're unhealthy and unhealthy people are a little bit attracted to healthy people. And insecure people are a little bit attracted to, to secure people. But there's this other thing that repels them too. So moms, listen. Like, yeah, you want your kids to be secure if you feel insecure. But not all the time. Because a secure child looks at you and is like, Mom, what are you freaking out for? And you're like, because I'm... And your kid's like well-adjusted and you're not. You're maladjusted. And your kid's like, Mom, man, you just got to get a hold of yourself. Too much drama, mom. Everybody wants to marry somebody who's, everybody who's insecure wants to marry somebody a little bit who's secure until in an argument, they're like, why are you acting like this? You acting, is there a camera somewhere that I don't know about? Am I, am I being pranked? Because it was just a little thing and now it's this big thing and now everything's all attached to it. It's all weird, like freaking out and everything hurts and everything hurts and all of a sudden like, <gasps> I'm the devil now? How did that happen? I just drank out of the milk jug. I'm like, guy, it just, you know, like, it's a temptation. Just like, nobody around. <laughs> Fridge door shuts. Aaron. <laughs> we, uh, so. 
Pantry door shut. Healthy people eventually leave, but if you're unhealthy, you'll call it betrayal when a healthy friend finally leaves you. You just call it betrayal. Why? Because that's more dramatic. See, uh, an unhealthy person in an argument, are you ready for this? An unhealthy person externalizes everything, but a healthy person actually internalizes this. Now, just, just give me a minute here. Meaning that if, if like, this person is upset with this person, if this person is healthy, the unhealthy person is like, I, you know, you're mad, you're angry. Well, well here's, here's the problem, though. When you have an unhealthy person, I'm just going to unwind something for you. When an unhealthy person is arguing with a healthy person, the unhealthy person is taking their problem that they feel guilty about, and they just, they just get to the punchline first. So they're freaking out, and they're angry, and they're like, you're angry. But this healthy person here, are you ready? I'm going to save somebody's marriage today. This healthy person over here goes, see, they don't do that. They go, am I angry? Huh. Maybe I'm angry. And then they go back and work on themselves, and then they come back and apologize for being angry, even though they only had 5% of the pie. Give it a couple of years. All of a sudden, this person wakes up one day and says, actually, I'm not angry. You are. And this whole time, you've been blaming it on me. And it puts them in a place where they don't know how to deal with you anymore because there's no rules that you follow. Because every argument, they come back, you ready? A little bit better. And you come back a little bit worse. And one of you is getting better and one of you is getting worse. And one of you is growing and learning and getting better. And this is a painful process. This is just a stubborn one. But somehow this person projects all of the pain in their life on that person. I don't disagree that all the drama is painful. It's extremely painful. It's like having ribs out. But if you have ribs out and your kid wants to hug you, then you get mad at your kid because it hurts you. It's not healthy. Let's go to the chiropractor called the Holy Spirit and get fixed. Unhealthy people, they, they never really say what they're really thinking until they get mad. And then they do. And you find out they're crazy. I one time, I, I had a lady one time spend about a half an hour tearing strips off of me. When you come from a healthy family, that just doesn't happen. So you actually get heck for what you do, <laughs> not for who they are. And she spent about a half an hour just yelling at me and getting all mad at me about stuff. And I sat there for half an hour because in, in a healthy family, like, this just doesn't happen. I'm just like, I just sat there. I'm like, I don't know. The whole half an hour, I'm like, it's funny. When you're really angry, you can't concisely say how you're feeling anyways because it's mostly like, I'm just mad because I'm selfish. And then... <clears throat> Paul the Apostle says, and I believe in the book of Galatians, like, where do all these wars and fights come from among you? And then he's like, oh, right, it comes because you're not getting what you want. Hmm. That's why you get mad because you're not getting what you want, and the other person's not getting what they want, and that's why you get mad and argue about stuff. And if you could actually get to a place of health where you're just like, I'm mad because I'm not getting what I want. <laughs> Wah. <laughs> this person for half an hour straight is going at me. The whole time, I had one thought in my head, because I'm just like, I don't know, like, I was taught not to react to angry people. I, I thought, okay, well, whatever. This person for half an hour just going at me, going at me, going at me, and it's getting personal. And I'm just like, the whole time I'm thinking, do they even know why they're mad at me? Because this has not been clearly communicated. I don't even think that what they're mad about has really anything to do with me. The whole time, I'm like, I don't even know why they're yelling at me. 
Like, I don't know. Like, I wish I could talk to you, right? But I, I don't think you know. A half an hour. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> See, the longer that you're unhealthy, the less people will respect you because you have to earn respect the last time I checked. Not the honor of being a human. We all have rights to dignity. But my goodness, don't sell your dignity because you're a madman. You want people to respect you, earn it. Earn it by being logical and getting yourself under control and having your emotions line up with the emotions that God says you should be feeling in a moment and not just because of your past or because of your mistake or because you're embarrassed or because of... Don't put that on people. Don't sign people up to drama. Um, Don't make somebody sign a waiver that says things are going to get a little crazy when I get a little crazy. And nobody signed up for that. Like, I remember being, you know, having this half an hour of this, and I'm just like, I, for, I forget signing that thing. That said, like, I'm okay getting yelled at for stuff that I don't even think that you know. <laughs> um, drama just makes uh, healthy people tired. Wait until next week. It's going to be good. Your words are like bullets. You don't get them back. Your words are like bullets. You don't get them back. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'll leave it until next week anyways. It doesn't seem to apply to anybody here. Um, see, listen, listen. You can say, yeah, but I'm so wound up. I'm so wound up. Look, the Holy Spirit can unwind you. I've seen the Holy Spirit unwind crazy people. Does it all the time. Did it to me when I get crazy. Does it, he can do it for you, and he will do it for you, but you've got to put in the work that you've got to put in. And so when you, uh, when, you, when you get to this place, the Holy Spirit will start working on your processes because that's where you're stuck. An unhealthy person has unhealthy processes for dealing with the same root emotions, the same rejection, the same pain that healthy people have too. Your problems are not greater than the problems of healthy people, not, not internal, not, not problems that everybody grew up with. No, no, it's just a healthy person has a healthy process that brings them success nearly every time. And an unhealthy person does not. There's something that comes in and drama, and, and I'm going to preach about the 10-second rule. If you can just stop for 10 seconds, you will save yourself a world of hurt. It's a healthy person has this process where if they're getting strips torn off, they just sit there like, okay, I'm like, whatever. But it doesn't, see what's happening around you, outside of you, doesn't have to happen inside of you. Not if you know who you are in God. Imagine getting to that place. Or what's happening outside of you, just like, hmm, I know what God thinks about me. Okay. Hey, you think about that about me. That doesn't define me. God defines me. My maker defines me. You don't define me. See, as drama goes down, connection goes up. Because if you're overly dramatic, you're faking it. But every unhealthy person is secretly telling themselves, I'm healthy, I'm just being honest. No, you're just being crazy. You're on a stage and you're projecting to the back, but that's fake. You're not King Richard. Not really. You're acting like it. This is not a well-read audience. You're not, you're not Romeo. So quit acting like it, that's not you. You're romantic like duct tape is romantic. You're practical. The major difference is that a healthy person takes responsibility for the state of their own soul no matter what. And an unhealthy person blames you for the state of their soul no matter what. 
So if you can get to this place where you take responsibility for the state of your soul, no matter what happened today, my soul, my responsibility, my problem, in Christ I can find an answer to feel the way that I need to feel, to react the way that I need to react. Oh, that's good. Insecurity. Insecurity is uncertainty or anxiety about oneself, the state of being open to danger or threat, a lack of protection. Uncertainty or anxiety about oneself. If you grew up with an insecure parent, you don't like the way that it felt. Why? Because insecurity, that person feels unsafe. Ergo, therefore, why would, any, why would they make anybody feel unsafe around, or feel safe around them? So you didn't feel safe in the home of an insecure mom because that insecurity and that lack of safety that they felt, they passed on to you. Now you can do better for your kids. And so what I want for you is you have to work on this insecurity. See, King Saul, he got the first few things right, but then he spent a lifetime of not working on that insecurity. And what happened was, what was normal to him growing up, he didn't stop what was normal and make a healthy normal out of that. What was normal to him became the normal for the nation of Israel. And what was normal for you, unless you stop and do the other thing, it will become normal for your family. But you don't want that for your kids, and I don't want that for my kids. I want my kids to wake up every morning confident, secure, ready to go. No matter who tells what at school, and like, oh, so-and-so thinks you're fat. Who's so-and-so? Nobody cares about so-and-so. Oh, I'm preaching, man. Oh, it worked up. Insecurity will stop you from being the best version of yourself. And people need you to be the best version of yourself. It's like having an insecure surgeon. I don't know, do we position here? YouTube. <laughs> Sharpen up the scalpel. Man, when you're dealing with issues, you need to get in and deal with issues. In decisiveness, decisive inc incisions. <laughs> Man, you get that cancer out of your relationship. You get that cancer out of your life, man. Let's cut it out. Let's go. But when you're like this and you're insecure, you're constantly, people around you are just like, well, where are you waving that thing around, man? The gun is loaded. What are you doing? You're supposed to be shooting the enemies of our family, not shooting at us. Like, See, insecurity, you ready? Insecurity opens the door to fear. Fear causes panic. Panic makes you open your mouth and your words by a different destiny. And all in less than 10 seconds. Insecurity makes you afraid. Fear causes panic. Panic causes you to open your mouth and your words by a different destiny in 10 seconds. It's an unhealthy process. It's an unhealthy process. Let's figure out the process and then we'll get successful. Let's figure out the process so you don't have to feel freaked out all the time. An insecure person is impossible to correct because, you ready? Because they can't separate who they are from what they've done. You know how I approach failure? I come from a healthy family. I'm not a hero. My parents were heroes. You know how I approach failure? You're like, wow, I screwed that up. Shoot, what was I thinking? And then I have a laugh and then I get on with my life. Because like, I failed is not the same thing as I'm a failure. You will never hear me say something negative about myself. You, you will never... Man, I was listening to Joyce Myers this week. 
Man, you talk about the truth, short and sweet and sour. Thank you, Joyce Myers. She's like, why would you ever say something negative about your person? Why don't you let the devil do that? Because that's his job. Don't say it about you. I mean, be honest, but like, hey, I screwed that up, but that's not who I am. I mess up. When my kids mess up, I'm like, you're better than that. You're going to grow up. That's not going to be a thing anymore. You're better than that. I expect better from you. Why? Because you're better than that. But insecurity, man, insecurity is just a shooting yourself in the foot. They can't separate who they are from what they've done. Do you know, like somebody, your kid's trying to tell you that you got an anger problem, but you're so insecure that they can't. Because every time you say anything about anything, you interpret that as, I hate you. Look, if you don't act well, people don't have to like you when you're in a bad mood all the time. Why would they? People don't like it. I don't like it. If you're in a bad mood all the time, I'm just like, okay, love you. I don't need to be in a bad mood all the time. I got the same problems you got. I'm willing to help you with your problems, but when you're in a bad mood all the time, your whole life is this like disaster of negativity and selfishness. All you're thinking about is you. You're not, you don't force a smile on your face because it's not honest. No, it's not psychotic. That's why you don't do it. <laughs> but there comes this time when, look, people don't have to like you when you're all crazy like that. So why don't you act in a way that they can respect so that they hang out with you more and you have a smile on your face. You're, you're a joy to be around. I heard a pastor one time say, like, look, this is one guy just kept coming in. I don't know if he's on staff, but every day he came in, it was like, oh, the world's ending. The world, everything's falling apart. Everything's falling apart. And he's like, tell you what, you're bringing your whole team down. So why don't you go home and find a smile and then come back. And then if you've got problems, we can talk about them. But we all got problems. Oh, that's so hard. If you're healthy, you think it's funny because it's true. What if you could actually separate yourself from who you are, from what you've done. You wouldn't take yourself as seriously, would you? You could actually separate yourself from your mistake and have a laugh about them. Isn't that what you want your kids to do? I don't want them to internalize their, their mistakes and feel like failures for their whole... No, no. Uh, an insecure person is a judgmental person. Everything you feel like people are judging you about, which is probably not even true most of the time. Well, you just hit them first with judgment. Why, that's just so everything was evaluated in your home growing up, right? Everything, you were always on, on, the, on the dock for something in your home, right? That's not a healthy home. And so you, you spread out your judgment because you feel like everybody's judging you. But I mean, like my dad said, man, people aren't thinking about you half as much as you think you are. You're not that important. So relax a little bit. People are not thinking about ways to get at you all the time. I mean, some people are, but not everybody. <laughs> um, the truth is this. Your destiny is never ultimately decided by anybody but you. So why don't you open the door, get rid of the insecurity, let's start letting God get in at the unhealthy parts of us so that we can be healthy and chilled, as children of God. We can wake up every day and actually lift our eyes to heaven instead of feeling bad about everything all the time and move forward. Do you know the best way to get rid of sin in your life is to wake up in the morning, do what I used to do and say, I'm a son of God. Yeah, I screwed up last night, but I'm a son of the living God. I don't have to act like that. I'm better than that. The, uh, the King Saul. King Saul before David of David and Goliath fame. King Saul. King Saul was an interesting guy. He, he dealt with insecurity. And uh, insecure people, I think we all have insecurity uh, pieces in our lives. Uh, we're insecure about things. I, I get that. But King Saul started as insecure. He didn't really get it wrong in the scripture I'm going to read to you today. But what he never did was allow God to actually deal with the root of his insecurity. And, and because eventually, uh, like insecure people, you don't... An insecure child, you don't really have to deal with all that much and discipline them all that much because they kind of, especially a soft child or an introverted child, because what happens is they just go under, underground. 
you didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Introverts, I got your number. I got it. It's okay. I'll help you out. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. So what happens is an insecure child or a child who's afraid or just dealing with panic, they kind of tend to go underground a little bit. All the, the loud, confident children who shouldn't be confident because they're crazy, but they all get dealt with, right? But in school, these children, they just go underground, underground, and the insecurity grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you get to this place in your life where somebody puts you in charge of something, but your unwritten rule is survival. And that's not healthy for anybody. And that's not healthy for you. Love will require a sacrifice, but survival demands that you keep it all for yourself. And so what God wants to do is unwind you and untwist you like Saul never allowed God to do. And so he started okay, but he never got to the root of that. And and insecure people eventually make bad moms. And they make bad friends. And they make bad kings. And they make bad bosses. And they make bad employees. Insecure people do. And I want you to be good. And I want you to be the best of what God called you to be. They also tend to gravitate away from the very people who can help them the most. God gives Saul a gift called King David, and he kills Goliath for him, and Saul starts hating him. Why? Because he's insecure. The very thing that could have saved the nation of Israel, this young David with a call of God in his life, and Saul was supposed to train him and take him under his wing and, and give him the resources of the kingdom and be like, let's go. Here, I'll help you. Let's fight God's battles together. Let's keep our people safe from this crazy Philistines. But God will send you a gift, but because you're insecure and a little proud, you'll, you'll, you'll gravitate away from the very person who could help you because they're confident, because they're secure, because they know who they are, and they could help you f- find who you are too. First uh, Samuel 10, then, then Samuel, I'm going to set the story up, took a flask of olive oil and pulled, poured it over Saul's head. So Samuel was the prophet. The nation of Israel came to Samuel and said, okay, give us a king so that you can make, we want to be a nation like all the nations around us. Insecurity. Israel was insecure because they were led by a prophet, and that was kind of odd, and a judge. And God was like, but I was leading you, but now you want to be like everybody around you. It's an insecure nation's desire for an insecure king. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. In spite of all this, God still chose King Saul. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this. You don't get this because it's back in the day, right? So, Do you read your Bibles? There's some weird stuff in there. You got to kind of take it in cultural context. I guess I used to kiss. I was in Italy one time and I've never been kissed so many times by guys in my whole life. Pace, I meant peace. Pace. All these old Italian men just like whisker rubbing me all the time. It was just a thing back in Israel. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Later, Samuel in verse 17 called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has declared. I brought you from Egypt and rescued you from the Egyptians and from all the nations that were oppressing you. But though I rescued you, he goes on to say, you have rejected your God and you want a king so that you can be like everybody else. Therefore, present yourselves. And and this is how they used to make decisions back then. So Samuel brought all the tribes before the Lord. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. So what would happen is they would roll a dice and the Holy Spirit would determine the outcome. That's how they used to hear from God back then. And so so God's like, fine, you want a king? I'm going to try to do the best I can. But everybody starts a bit insecure. And and Saul, I'm going to anoint this guy Saul. So, So you can be anointed while you're insecure. But God wants you to get better and get rid of the insecurity, which Saul never did. And so what happens is he gives Saul a chance, which is what our job is, is the church. You give people an opportunity to hear the gospel and an opportunity to get their lives back together. Or together, because most of us never had our lives together. And so he was chosen by Lot, and then he's showing all of Israel that he still chose you. Still chose uh, Saul. He brought each, each 
family, verse 21, of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the Matrites were chosen, and then Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, this is hilarious, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. I think I'm just going to stop the scripture reading there, guys. Uh, worship team can come up. I was going to read a little bit more about how, how God knit some of the people's hearts to Saul, but then there were some scoundrels. It says that they were like, Saul, who's Saul? I mean, you want to be a leader? You want to be liked by everybody? Wrong job. Some scoundrels are like, who's Saul? We're not going to bring him presents. It says something very interesting to Saul. It said at the very end of this, because he actually got this right, it says, but Saul ignored them. That's what I want for you. I want you to be able to ignore the drama this week. I want you to be able to ignore the people who don't like you and ignore the people who are takers in your life and ignore the people who are just always going to find some critic. I just want you to be able to ignore the drama this week because Saul actually got that, that right. But it's interesting to me here that he's found among the baggage. Here he is, anointed by Samuel the prophet, anointed by God. He's been obviously chosen. And here he is among the baggage. King, king in the baggage. And I think to myself, I think that that's a lot of you. I think you're anointed by God. I think your insecurity made you hide in the bags. But you're not supposed to be in the bags. Just make sure you ascend to the throne of your life and make sure God is on it. And don't take your insecurity with you and then make everybody sign up for your drama club. But hiding among the bags, there was this interesting thought that, that, that came to me this morning as I was um, just in the green room kind of getting my head around this. And, and I see, if, if you're found in the baggage and you're the king and they're like, where's Saul? And all of the nation of Israel is like, he's in the baggage. What's he doing in the baggage? They would all be laughing, don't you think? And here's the thing, here's the thing. Saul would actually have to laugh about that too because it's kind of silly. Right? Well, you, cannot, you can't take yourself seriously if they just found you in the baggage. You're just like rooting through the garbage, you know? I mean, like, the king of Israel, he already knows that he's been chosen and God like confirms it in front of everybody. But mom, some of you are sitting in the baggage still. And what you have to do, the only way to get out of the baggage is to come out with a smile on your face and see people be like, oh, that's totally me. Oh my goodness, I'm so insecure right now. But here's the thing, here's the thing. As Saul's life went on, and you're going to find it in the next uh, few weeks, as Saul's life went on, he stopped laughing about himself and started taking himself way too seriously. And I think what needs to happen is that you need to relax a little bit about your unhealthiness because we are all a bit unhealthy. And you have to get to the place. See, eventually what, what happened was Saul couldn't hide his insecurity in the, in the baggage when he came out of there. But on the throne or in your position at work or whatever, what you do is you start hiding your flaws in the baggage. You start hiding your insecurity in the baggage. And then you say things like, I'm healthy. I'm secure. There's nothing wrong here. There's nothing wrong here. But if you do that, and this is the thought I want you to take home today. If you do that, though, what you're going to do is, see, see Saul's, Saul's ceiling was his insecurity. And your ceiling is your insecurity and your unhealthiness. That's the ceiling. That's as far as you're going to go in your life. That will also become your son and daughter's ceiling as well. That's, in a sense, it's a curse that they have to grow up and get past somehow. But that will be the ceiling of, of your business. That will be the ceiling of your relationships. But see, see Saul's ceiling, where, where, that's where it began and ended with him. But that was supposed to be the floor of the next generation that came up. But if you, if you hide away all your flaws in, in the baggage... 
your flaws become the next generation's ceiling, not their floor. And I want my daughters to grow up in the house of God and I want your kids to grow up in the house of God and I want them someday to be in their 20s and 30s and be like, oh, dad was cute what he tried to do. He did his best. God bless him. He did the best he can, but we got it now. But we built with what he gave us to build and that's what our foundation is. And I want you to change the foundation of your life. Heavenly Father, this week we pray that we would reveal to people and to you that we're not as healthy as we put on. We're not as healthy as we try to appear. We're insecure and we're unhealthy and, and we pray that we would admit it this week, not just to you, Father, obviously to you, but to somebody too. I pray that we would not hide it any longer, that we'd be able to talk to our spouse or our children or our friends and say, you know what? I struggle with insecurity and I, I'm not as healthy as I put on. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for a spirit of honesty this week. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.